I am goblin. I am uh, going to go into a food coma, so we better get this done because you might not hear from me for a few days. Yes, that is my home now. This is this is my home now. Hey. Never stops. One could say that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You see, I didn't know what else existed for the Thanksgiving movie genre outside of, I don't know, Charlie Brown or th you mentioned uh, an animated Thanksgiving movie with a turkey on it that I haven't heard of. Maybe it's called Gobble Gobble or something. Free turkeys. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it's created an entire new genre of like uh, oh, it's almost like green room horror-y Thanksgiving, a little bit of comedy in there. I don't even know, but yeah, I mean, this is it's it's a Thanksgiving movie. It all revolves around the holiday and the especially now everyone's so divided. It's all about you know everyone always talks about being divided at Thanksgiving, talking to your family about politics. So this kind of takes that head on. So.
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's funny because it came out in 2018, which you could say is very recent. But honestly, the past four or really eight years, everything has changed and cultures so much that it's like every six months a movie might be irrelevant, you know. And it definitely holds up and it's still timely and probably will continue to be, you know, in, into the near future. And yeah, it takes something that I think a premise that a lot of people are scared about, but hasn't happened or a lot of people have floated the idea of and then you know in movie world those things can happen and it's um hilariously terrifying absolutely yeah <laughs> yeah she was uh she was crim she was criminally underused, but the moments where she was allowed to be funny, she's obviously she and Ike are both, you know, legends. Um of course it's it's interesting to see her be the sort of straight man of this movie because obviously Ike Barnholtz's character, I think his name's Chris, right? He um he is the crazy off the wall guy who you know, it's it, it's that horror movie thing where everyone else around you is being normal and you don't get it and it's just getting worse and worse for us, but then they're saying that you're the crazy one. It's a, really to me it's like a horror movie. It 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 turns in it it turns into one. I mean, it doesn't start off like one, but you know, an hour in, and then for or really like forty five minutes, and then for the rest of the movie, it's truly like a green room type horror movie. I I thought about you right when that happened. I was like, man, he just <laughs> Seth Rogen, man. Oh my god, he was so funny. Yeah. Yeah, we we should explain maybe for people like the the initial premise of the movie. Um, it's basically a, a a year before the events of the movie take place, the U.S. government um basically releases this oath. I it's not really important what the oath says. It's just a very patriotic, some might say right wing type oath. And if you sign it as a citizen, you get like a tax break. Um, and it's it's like really like like a culture war thing. But the government gives everyone a year to sign it and the movie really starts off five days before the deadline of you signing the oath and it's really like a culture war thing there's protests going on and it never shows it you know you always hear about it which is like you said that, that war of the worlds thing which i think is awesome because i feel like nine movies out of ten would show the protests and elicit a, a good reaction but having us just hear about it and seeing ike's reaction and him being just stuck in his house is even better um, but, but I'm a little bit off track. That's the premise of the movie. 
And then a uh, politically divided family comes together uh, for Thanksgiving in the midst of all this. And, of course, all hell breaks loose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Yeah, barring us, you know, um I I I should we give a spoiler alert and and go into the let all hell breaks loose? Yeah. So if you're going to keep listening to the podcast, you haven't watched the movie, this is a spoiler alert, but it's too good to not talk about. So probably, what, 45, 50 minutes into the movie, these two officers of this new government agency um, show up uh, because the main character has been ratted out as not having signed the oath, and he was, quote-unquote, maybe intimidating people into not signing it. Basically, all hell breaks loose, family... Uh, a fight breaks out and what ends up happening is the family basically kidnaps these two officers and holds them hostage. And they're basically deciding what to do. It escalates and escalates and escalates and escalates. Um, I love the back end of the movie infinitely more than the front end because I, it, (laughs) it's totally out of left field. It's surprised the hell out of me. And the comedy hits harder in those moments, I think than in, in in the front end of of the movie so but I, I i think that really the whole it you know and i'm just coming out of watching this not like 10 minutes ago having turned off my tv but if i can think about maybe what ike was trying to say when you wrote the script or what the movie's getting at i think that it's the uh, cooler heads will prevail his his fatal flaw in the movie is that he gets way too amped up about stuff and because he gets too amped up about stuff and he can't help himself he almost, you know, gets everybody killed. Um, and the same goes for the other officer, the really aggressive one, Mason. And I think that when it comes down to it, in the end, he kind of lets go his grudge. He doesn't want to know who ratted him out. And that, to me, was what it was trying to say. And I thought it said it well, and it was funny. I think it was his brother. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, his buddy from work. Yeah, I, I think that you, I mean, from like a writing standpoint, you have to make that happen because then it's like he's totally boxed in and his one partner in crime even went against him. And I think that for him as a character to go through what he goes through, I think that that's necessary. Now, it was very surprising, but her, her reasoning made sense. She's like, look, I don't care about this. The, the higher ups in the government can work it out. But if this is going to keep our child safe, then, yeah, I'm going to sign this thing. So that made sense. Um, it was unexpected, but the more I thought about it, the more I was like, oh, I love that this main guy is getting backed into a corner because the, the tension just rose and rose and rose. Yeah. kind of one-dimensional yeah Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's a great point. And honestly, I, I agree. I think that her character really, really the only three-dimensional character in the movie is Ike's character that he wrote for himself, Chris, which you see. Yeah, but but truly, you know, the, the Kai character really just serves to whenever Ike has like a, a moment of change or conflict, she kind of swoops in and pushes him in one direction or the other and eventually where he needs to go. But honestly, yeah, I mean, you, you're right. I mean, she's underused as a comedic talent. Character is not that great. Though I will say, yeah, it would have been even better payoff if the character was better and she signed the oath, but I do like the choice of her signing the oath. You and I are from 
you and I are from Arizona. <laughs> Everyone has guns here. <laughs> I I think so because when I was out in LA or going to school with people who weren't from Arizona, they were like freaked out. And I, I'm not yeah, or yeah, by or you know, because I'm not, you know, pro gun by any means, but they don't bother me, I think just because of, you know, where I'm from and, and my upbringing, but a lot of people are like dude what a a weapon and so that it didn't bump me as as much as i think it it, it bumped you on that i think that maybe for for most people having like a weapon in the home with a kid even if it's like a taser might set them off a little bit but yeah also i I think it's just the implication that she's trying to keep him from going off the deep end. And he obviously is like preparing for war. And she's like, dude, like you, you have to like come down to earth for me and our kid. Like you're out here not buying guns, but you're buying tasers. You're, you know, flooding your head with the news all the time. I think that was maybe what that symbolized for me. Well, so so for me, I I agree that you know the first you know half of the back end of the movie, it it gets something going. And for me, why the ending pays off is because there's so much tension setting up, and there's really no release. You know, they have a big fight at dinner, but it still ramps up. There's still this cloud hanging over the house, and it goes and it goes and it goes. And then when shit hits the fan, and these two CPUs show up then it really hits the fan. And that's when it, it it takes a turn. A lot of movies I think could take a turn for the worse. For me, it was a pleasant surprise and I, it, you know, just kept me so engaged with what was happening. And honestly, the first half of the film, the jokes weren't that great for me. In fact, my biggest drawback of the film is I think it's um not that, fu- I think it's very funny, but I don't think it's that funny for like the people who they have, and what I thought it would be, but the jokes that land for me land in the second half, like like with John Cho having like fluid falling out of his ears and <laughs> and talking about his, his his kids. I mean, it was so funny. Um, so for me, okay, the John Lithgow.
Yeah, I honestly thought it would be a, a little bit funnier, and and I agree w- with what you're saying too. But there's not that many jokes that hit. There, there's some funny situational stuff, and then there's like the running gag of Abby Katie, but really, and and they do a great job of setting up the conflict. That's why I enjoy the back end of the movie because they set up this very politically divided family, and then they're like, "By the way, here's the Gestapo coming in. How are you guys going to deal with it now?" and putting in a family that kind of hates each other into a moment of crisis where they have to work together and decide if they're going to execute two cops or not is like to me a great a great premise for the movie and i i was a little so-so about it starting up i was like oh i like this you know me like i'm into politics this is cool it's kind of funny and then that happened and i was like i am i'm all in yeah Yeah. Yeah. You are watching two different movies almost, or it's it's very different. I mean, the only thing that indicates what's to come are the big black title cards and the foreboding music. Otherwise, you would have no idea. I was confused. I was like, is this, I mean, this is scary. I mean, obviously, there's some kind of tension that's being built here, and then it, and, and then you understand. But yeah, it, I mean, it truly, for better or for worse, for a lot of people like you, for worse, takes a big turn. Yeah, I um I I'm happy that we picked this one. I'm happy that we stumbled upon it. I mean, I I I love watching 
low budget movies like this that are very high concept. Um, maybe it's, maybe a, a big part of it is like you said, me and in my writer brain, I'm like, man, the, like what a fun movie to write. What a balls to the wall, insane premise. I'm I'm jealous that he came up with this and he got it made for what like less than five hundred grand. I think. I mean, it was a shoestring budget. Maybe that was the box office. Either way, nobody saw this movie. I mean, it's on streaming. Um, so I, I, I admire what he did, but like I said, I actually, I wish it was funnier. I don't really think it's that funny until towards the end. Otherwise it's kind of like chuckle jokes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> here's my thing I've, I've got like like a lot of technical like more things to criticize but honestly i just think about how i felt during the movie and i'm like anything that elicits emotional engagement on that level for me and holds the tension that well i gotta you know tip my hat to it a lot and then add in some comedy and some other stuff and i'm, I'm all for it so i think that really yeah, there's there's like a lot of problems with with the logic. People are underused. It's not as good as it could be. But for most of the time, the tension is on for me an upward trajectory, and it crescendos in this awesome and hilarious way. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Five turkey slices, five five helpings. Here's my thing. If I could go back and remake my 2018 top 10 movies list, this probably would make the top 10, but it would probably be an honorable mention. Um... I I really like Thanksgiving, but I don't love it. I really like this movie, and I almost love it. And this is going to be a hot take, but I'm I'm giving it four helpings. I I'm there. I'm there with with the oath. Ike, come on the pod, Ike. Come talk about it. Jeez. You're insane. <laughs> You're insane. <laughs> I 
Yeah, yeah, go go sign the oath, man. Oh boy. I guess we are, man. This is awesome. Gobble 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 Gary. Solid. That was good. I much like that. I, I was trying to think of a Thanksgiving one, but yeah. Your opening hook is that uh, okay? So, <laughs> sick. We're still recording, right? Is that okay? Okay, sick. I stopped it a half hour ago. <laughs> You're good. Trade an actor for an actor, trade a director for a director. Genre for genre. Evil Dead, but good. <laughs> I know what that is. Oh, really? Oh, sick. Okay.
I had a like a five second thought. I was like, "Am I gonna give this movie five helpings? Is that is that really happening?" No. I'm like, it, for as much as I liked it, it's just it can't it, it can't. What I was like, is it is this gonna be my hottest take yet? But can't be. Oh no. <laughs> There's, there's a lot of junk out there. I'm hyped. Your perfect crime. So if, if you were heisting something, what would you heist and how would you heist it? I am ready, sir. Give me more turkey! Oh, crinkle, crinkle. Chris Crinkle himself. Almost, almost. Amen. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, this is honestly going to be your show because I've been watching a lot of comedy since, you know, pandemic. It's 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 helpful. I I love stand up. Been rewatching John Mulaney as he's on Sorry. Dave Chappelle's got some good stuff. Um 
Chris Rock. There's just, you know, the, there's a lot of good stand-up out there, and a lot of it is free. So I encourage you guys to go watch it if you haven't. Find who you like. Um, My all-time favorite is Bill Burr. Fun fact. I love that guy. But, Philip, I think that you're a pretty funny guy, and if you had your own Netflix stand-up comedy special, what would your, your opening part of your act be? Every comic has, like, the opening joke, the the hook, as they say. What would your hook be? Oh, that was um, that was a uh, Chappelle, I think, on on SNL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great. Yeah. Dude, a GoDaddy joke would land. You know what's funny? I have I've worked with their CEO or in the, in the building that he works. He owns a studio out in Scottsdale, Arizona. So keep that joke away from him. It's it's good. It's it's timely. It's topical. I I accept your joke. You do that on on Thanksgiving, not like after? Wow. Okay. I I'm 90 or I'm probably 70% sure that I understand what's going on right now. Let <laughs> Uh, 
Um, yes. Yeah. Yep. Oh. Yes. Wait. It was cooked in the house. Yes. Yes. I sandwiched it. Good. Okay. <laughs> okay, got you. Ah, stuff it. We're all together. Yeah. Back back in the day, there definitely was um, just just one table. Man, we're all about equality, and honestly, we don't. We we only have two kids to be at the kids' table. Um. Yes. Uh. Sandwich it. Sandwich it. Yeah. My my granddaddy loves the presentation of food, so you know he loves to. He, he, it, yeah, even in his old age, he loves to cut the turkey in front of everyone and say, boom, look what I did. Drop the mic, walk away, get his wine, and chill. Sandwich it, totally avoided. We we done good. Even with family that FaceTimed in that are probably pretty opposite of us, it was civil and it was nice. It was nice. It, it was sandwiched, yes. stuff it my my uh, older members of the family can stay up later than I could ever dream to it's very weird man with with those doohiggies on their phones there, there is no sleep they're probably up till two in the morning all right, so we are still in the midst of one of the most wild and awesome NBA off seasons I have ever had the blessing to experience. I mean, it's I mean, you know I'm a big fan of TV, but this is the best soap opera around, man. The NBA off season, I mean, the the Bogdanovich thing and Phoenix and then Detroit. What the hell's going on there? I know that this is a movie podcast, but guys, if you're into basketball, you know what I'm saying. But I I'm going to make you a GM. But you're going to be a movie GM. And you're going to be making some trades now. I I have tasked I have tasked you with making three trades for three different movies. It's going to improve each movie. So I want you to take a movie and trade actor for a different actor to make that movie better. I want you to take another movie and trade out the director for a different one to make it a better movie. And I want you to take a third movie and trade out the genre. If you could switch the genre of the movie to make it better, what would that look like? Go. Yes. But you're going to keep Drew Barrymore? Whoa. So, is Adam Stanley your Chris Pratt? <laughs> hold up, hold up, hold up. I, I have to ask you. So, how does Robin Williams make your team better? 
Ooh, I like both, yeah. Killer analogy. I'll take it. Yes. Okay. I love this pick. That movie is indubitably better now. Uncage him. That's cool, man. My my first thought for that movie might be like pick Spielberg, but Tarantino, I mean, if, if you were to do an NBA analogy, what team came in and just tore up the playoffs nobody saw coming? Or maybe it's like it's like a college basketball thing. That, that is a Cinderella team movie right there. Quinn. Oh, that's great. That is the 2019-2020 Miami Heat of movies right there. I love it. Yes. Or is he Tarantino? I don't know. <laughs> mm, yes, yes. Agreed. Taika? Taika Waititi. Waititi. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Honestly, yeah. Having one James Bond film where they, they, they hire Taika or they hire someone that, look, man, just go have fun with it. Romantic comedy. I, I think that Daniel Craig can pull it off. That dude's hilarious. I saw Knives Out. He's great. Logan Lucky. That one, the uh, Steven Soderbergh one. Yeah, he's he's great. They did? Oh, uh, what? Hmm. 
Okay, so first of all, he made that joke on his SNL uh, intro. I was like, what is he talking about? Wow, I actually was just watching that a few weeks ago. That sucks. Um, okay, so outside of the fact that I made a documentary for a documentary filmmaking class that was the most ridiculous amount of work I've ever put into anything, it was like backbreaking and I wanted to die. Um, I was, in, in the same vein, hired um, for an organization called the Union for Reform Judaism. to and, and they're a great organization, but I was hired to basically um, work with junior hires and make a documentary project about this after-school program that they were doing where they would go to an old folks' home and um, do activities with them and stuff along, along those lines. And wrangling those 30 junior hires who are all wonderful kids, but they are 12, 13, 14 years old, wrangling them, trying to get them to pick roles for a film, trying to keep everybody happy, and then deal with the higher-ups of this organization that really wanted this this project to look good because all the little chapters around the country were doing projects. I had, like, my boss's boss breathing down my neck. Tammy, I hope you don't listen to this because you were awesome. It's just uh, th- there was a lot of pressure on me, and I was, like, 19. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I, I literally had no idea what I was doing. Um, and it was really stressful and I probably got paid a stipend of like 500 bucks or something. And and I went there like two times a week for a few months and I did a whole presentation at this gala and it ended up being okay, but it was very stressful. Yeah. Yeah. And, And that documentary was a cool experience. I got to meet the mayor of Phoenix and stuff, but it was also like ridiculously hard, but yeah. All right, so uh, there's this PSA that's going around about this this family of 15, I believe, that um, hosted a little super spreader event in their home because of COVID. And they're basically, excuse me, coming out and saying, um, you know, don't get together if you can avoid it, wear masks, what have you. And they are advocating against super spreader events, trying to raise awareness for super spreaders. So I kept thinking about that word spread, spread spread. And you know what? I've got a Philip Amarine game for you. Here's my Philip transition. I've got some facts about peanut butter. My favorite spread. <laughs> Come on. You got to give me that. That was that was a great great transition. Come on. Thank you. I, thank you. I I didn't mean to see to say spread so many times like that, but really what I'm talking about, guys, is peanut butter. So I've got some some fast facts about peanut butter. Gonna play a little game, see if you can get the majority of these right. It's a classic give me five game with a classic Philip transition. Alright, so first fact. By law, anything labeled as peanut butter in the US must be is it ninety percent made of peanuts, thirty percent made of peanuts, or fifty percent made of peanuts? Is that your final answer? Good news. Uh, you're wrong because it's 90%. So thankfully, guys, anything in the U.S. labeled as peanut butter is 90% made from peanuts. So that's good. You, you would think it would be 30 because that's where we're at. <laughs> so uh, according to a 2016 study, the average American will eat almost 3,000 of these in their lifetime. Is it 3,000 jars of peanut butter? 3,000 peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or 3,000 Reese's peanut butter cups? 
Is that your final answer? Ooh, it was peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. The average American eats 3,000 of these in their lifetime, which doesn't seem like that many, weirdly, but that is a lot. I've probably eaten upwards of 1,000 in my lifetime, I'd say. <clears throat> yeah. 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 After high school, I mean, that was, like, my go-to, like, you know, basketball on the road snack was, was PB&J. I had to pack, like, three of those. Um, but, yeah. Next one. Two U.S. presidents were peanut farmers before they became president. I'm going to give you five presidents, see if you can pick out what two they were. We have Teddy Roosevelt, Jimmy Carter, William Henry Harrison, George Washington, and Thomas Jefferson. Can I tell you something? Yep, that's your one one for one right there. Jimmy Carter is one of them. William Hannah Harrison, is that your final answer? I'm sorry, man. The second one is Thomas Jefferson. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, you. I mean, tobacco, peanuts. Who the hell knows what those guys were planting? Probably, probably weed. Who you never even you never know. Yeah. Oh wait. Oh wait. I've got I've got uh, one more quick peanut question for you. No, no, no. You are all good, man. The, this is the most important one. Elvis Elvis Presley's favorite sandwich. He was a sandwich lover, but this was his favorite sandwich. It was reported as was it peanut butter and jelly. Peanut butter, banana, peanut butter, peanut butter and butter, or peanut butter and honey. My friend, you are correct. You have redeemed yourself. You know more about Elvis Presley's diet habits than you have any right to. Good job. When he died? Oh, nice. That's, uh, well, not nice, but that's kind of interesting. Good. Yeah. <laughs> first. Oh, this one's going to be even harder. Yeah, let's do it. I'm ready, dude. Don't give me eight Jim Carrey movies this time. <laughs> oh, man, I was thinking Independence Day. No, I'm going to pay it as a summer movie. I'm going to say no, it did not. Woo! Um, that... 
does seem like a December movie, so yeah, I'll say December 1st. Ah. Ooh, that was actually my top movie of, I think it was 2018. Um, I got a lot of flack for that, but I stand by the pick. Maybe I need to rewatch it. Um, no, closer to Christmas. Two theaters on December 1st? Ah. Oh, jeez. You know, even it out here. No. Woo! Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. It absolutely did. Screw it. Why why not? It's a Christmas movie. Let's do it. Uh, man, that's tricky. Okay, so lots of great news about the COVID vaccine. Uh, it seems like it's speeding up, and hopefully we should have it sooner rather than later. Uh, it's very exciting because I'm honestly trying to go out and have a beer with you, man. You know, in, in the real world, I don't know how to hug people anymore or how to interact, so I'm looking forward to that. What, do you want me to just throw the shoes away that you left in my house? Like some weirdo? No, I'm going to hug those. So Exactly. So, it, you know, vaccines are obviously for all things medical, diseases and the whatnot. But if you could vaccinate yourself to be immune to one first world problem, if you could, if you could just get rid of one minor annoying thing with the vaccine forever, what would that thing be? Mm. Ooh, that's a good one. I get that. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. I love it.
is so there's so many singing shows now i don't is that the one where they're like is he good or bad and they look at someone and they're like is he a good singer or a bad singer is that is that the mass singer i don't even know man pop off pop off <laughs> oh, it is? Is that is that a real thing that happened on this show? Oh my oh my god. What where are we as a nation? Where are we as a society, man? That's that's awful. I ugh. Hear ye, hear ye. Man, so that that was a speech. And honestly, let me say, for, for mine, I think that there's other people who probably feel the way that I do, but I can see it changing. My thing, and this is kind of a gimme, is, is movie talkers. But not not like just comments. or You know, if you're watching at home, that's one thing. And obviously, we haven't been to movie theaters in a long time. But I've noticed over my past 15 years of being an avid moviegoer, it has increased. And I think because of phones, people are so into having conversations or being on their phones at the movie theater. It, I can't go see like a newly released movie. Cause I get so pissed off. Like it, I, I have to pick out times of day to go see a blockbuster where there's not going to be a bunch of teenagers there because I know it's not straight up. I mean, if we're going to go to the theater, we it's like, it's just so annoying. It's, it's, it's just right. Okay. If, if you want to talk at home, that's one thing. It's a home experience where, I mean, that bothers me too, but it's whatever, because that that's more normal. Being, being in the movie theater and, and all the chit chat that's happening to the point where it's now it's like crazy. It's it's really, but that's why I actually go to the Alamo Draft House. I don't even know if it's gonna be in business anymore, but it's a theater that kicks you out for talking. It's an hour away from me, but it's a fantastic theater. And I started doing that because I could, I just couldn't go see new movies because there would be a bunch of sixteen-year-olds talking and doing whatever sixteen-year-olds do. I don't know. It's I it's I I could not. I, the last thing I went to go see was, was Little Women in February and a group of like 20, 15 year olds came in and watched it and just like snickered and tell jokes. All the time. I was like, fam, do you know what Little Women is? Get out of the theater. Get out. Ruin the movie for me, bro. It's a great movie, too. Sorry. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> she would sick 
Zach Braff on you, man. His 45-year-old bones. Yeah. <laughs> so I recently read about well, – I've been watching this show called Money Heist on Netflix. It's it's awesome. It's um it's insane. Um, but it's it's pretty cool. And then I I read about a, a real heist that happened in Buenos Aires in 2006. It's considered the the greatest crime that almost was. There's just amazing infographics video on YouTube about it, or there's this great long article in GQ. I want to write the script about it because it's awesome. And this this team of bank robbers pulled off this perfect heist in this massive bank in Argentina and got away with it, except. One of the robbers cheated on his wife and like bragged about it, and so she ratted him out to the cops, and the whole thing fell apart. So it's the greatest crime that never was. But I want to hear if if you were gonna pull off your perfect crime, what would it be? Yes, it's 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 a Spanish show. Yeah. You've got to be really dialed in because it's all in a, and it's like a very intricate crime stuff. So you got to really pay attention. Yeah. Why would you not? That's great. Be the man in the chair, yeah, yeah. Wait, so so you're robbing a a pizza joint like a Little Caesars of all the money that they've made on like a busy night. And and the crazy bird, yeah, and, and you're murdering your your co-conspirators. Yeah, either you'll move away to a different country and burn your face off, or I'll kill your whole family. That's Philip. Well, you're not actually gonna do it, but you gotta strike the. Maybe you just take a finger of like a wife, you know. Uh, yeah. I've thought I've thought this out, man. Oh.
Let's do it. Let's do it. One hundred percent tuna. Yes, I have been. I've been vegetarian for like ten months now. I've never liked turkey. Um, meatballs are good, but tuna. I've almost broken being vegetarian because I love tuna. Great protein, and you can make it taste good too. The, the Toy Hall of Fame. So I, I have to take into consideration their illustrious careers. Look, Slinky is simple yet elegant. Um, Rubber Duck is a cultural icon, but Barbie ushered in a revolution. In terms of groundbreaking, I'm going to I'm gonna have to go Barbie. For, for better or for worse, even though it destroyed our young women's uh, sense of self and... It probably caused a lot of mental health issues. Uh, you can't, you know, discount its importance. <laughs> Wrangler, oh, jeans. I. I was like, so you've got two high-end fashion and then a, a Jeep model? Okay. Um, I don't know a lot about either uh, any of this stuff. I get my clothes really cheap. I, I, I'm an old man. I'm a dad already. Um, though through my following of the NBA, I think I'd pr- it's got to come down between Louis Vuitton and Gucci. Um, uh, Gucci is more of a of a of a word that people say people don't say oh that's so Vuitton but they will say that's Gucci so I'm gonna go Gucci 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 burgers easy my all time all time favorite food is a good freaking burger and now with the amazing gains that we've made in fake beef I can still enjoy a good burger so burgers 100% though ribs ribs a close second for sure hot dogs just okay gotta be checkers yeah, it's 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 the simplicity, but also you can get really good at it, or you can just play it for fun with like your your kid, and it's still great. It it gets the job done in a lot of different scenarios. Yeah. All I want for Christmas is you. It's yeah. Wait, about what? 
What is that? I don't know what that is. Oh boy! Oh boy! Remember, remember, the Gary of November.